This is episode 252 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Control and Compound Financial. They teach real estate investors how to multiply their wealth using infinite banking strategies. For a complimentary wealth coaching session or to learn more, visit www.controlandcompound.com forward slash Andrew Hines. Welcome back to the show. Today I have Paul DeBruzzo on the show and he was a great conversation. I just met Paul obviously for the first time. Uh, here today, but he he does work in the area. He's a realtor and investor with many properties. He's invested in uh, the Caribbean as well as across uh, Southern Ontario. He's got stuff, uh, Oakville, Burlington, Hamilton, Niagara region, and uh, he's doing a lot of stuff. He knows his stuff and uh, we got into what's working today, what's not, uh, what's Paul's angle on it right now here in Ontario, because let's face it, it hasn't been easy. Uh, not to say I don't think there's a ton of opportunity. I really do, and I'm really excited about it. But, um, you know, we dug into exactly that. We got into the weeds with this, and uh, I think it's a valuable conversation, and I'm hoping you get something out of it too. So, uh, yeah, just before we jump in, I want to remind you that you can actually go right back to the beginning of this podcast. We started in 2019 going through the fundamentals in that first 10 episodes or so. Of course, I mean, they, you know, fundamentals went on beyond that. But if you're new to real estate investing, I'd highly recommend you just go right back, go through those first 10 episodes, and then come on back to uh, current or if you feel so inclined, I know there are still people that go all the way through all 250 some odd episodes, which I commend you if uh, if you do that. But uh, you know, for some people do, who don't have the patience, I totally understand if you want to just do those first 10 and come on back, um, get get current find out what's going on right now. Um, not to say we don't have incredible guests throughout the uh, the 252 episodes. On that note, if you could also take a moment and share this episode and the show with somebody you think it could help, that's how we keep this thing growing. When the times are tougher, which they have been, not as many people are interested in this kind of a show. So I really do rely on you. If you're getting value, please share this. Um, you know, please do what you can, like it, you know, leave a comment, uh, all that stuff helps. Anyways, uh, let's go ahead and jump into the episode with Paul DeBruzzo, 252. Here we go. Hello, and welcome to the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. I have Paul DeBruzzo on the show. Paul, thanks for coming on over. Uh, no problem. No problem. We made it. Yes, we did. Okay, so uh, you were connected to me through uh, a mutual contact that we have. Yeah. I have no idea what your story is. So uh, yeah. do you mind just kind of giving me high level uh, what you do in real estate investing and then how you got there, like where you started and, and what led you to here. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, what do I do now? So our, let's say our day-to-day -day business is really helping other investors, uh, acquire property. So we're, I'm a realtor base, but we, we only really work with investors. Like none of my transactions are residential in nature. Uh, we might be yeah. buying residential type properties, but you know, none of our clients are moving in essentially. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, uh, I get you. I think you understand what I mean. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I've been doing that since 2010. So long, yeah. long time. So we have hundreds of clients now. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I also manage a, you know, decent sized portfolio. My wife and I do that. We have... Uh, Your own properties? Yeah, we have, uh, I think, 16 properties of various sizes. You know, uh, Ontario, uh, Oakville, Hamilton, uh, St. Catharines, Welland. We have some international properties, which we can talk about soon. Uh, you know, we do some Airbnb. 
uh, mm-hmm. some short-term rental. We have multifamily. Um, we have some uh, uh, small to medium-sized uh, land development projects, and we have some large, larger uh, land development projects that we're working on. And um, yeah, our, our our portfolio is a big part of our, our lifestyle, and that really lends to kind of what I do, helping investors also because mm-hmm. you know we, we walk our talk. Right. It's not like I'm, yeah. you know, teaching people from a book or anything where everything I do that's new and I learn, I translate to help kind of yeah. people do the same. Right. So you're basically just telling people do what do what I do. Essentially. I mean, you know, it's funny. I, I learned this just the other day. You ever hear the saying? I'm sure you have. You know, if I were if you're giving someone advice, you would say, you know, if I was in your shoes, I would do this. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and th- this guy spun me. He's like, that's a terrible way to, 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 to help people. He's like, that's a great way to give people advice. But if you're actually coaching them, you know, it's better to say, if I was in your skin, mm-hmm. meaning, you know, it, it, you and I do things differently, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I can't just walk into your shoes and, you know, do things the way I would do it. I have to use everything that's unique about you, but add, you know, my mm-hmm. spin on it, right? Interesting. So it's not just do what I do. It's, you know, I, I, we spend a lot of time coaching and mentoring people. And mm-hmm. I, I'm not just saying that to make it cheesy. It's, we, we do spend... A, probably more time uh, coaching and mentoring people than we do on the road to just to every out. realtor who knows their stuff who does investments it ultimately ends up doing that for their clients to some degree yeah 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 you have no choice because it, yeah. if for us it's it's uh, we're really uh, uh, goal oriented I think that's normal for any, any any good realtor also you know and we have a bit of a tagline that we use I'm actually trademarking it right now called return on lifestyle so I mean, you, you, you kind of ha- uh, if you've been around real estate investment groups or these mm-hmm. big meetings that happen, you, you, and inevitably you hear that conversation like, "Oh, I have three properties, or I have six properties, or oh, I do multifamily." And you know, in the end of it, I'm like, "Who gives a shit what you do and you know yeah. how many properties you have?" You know, is it helping you live a better lifestyle? Yeah, or not? I feel like that's. I mean, now that real estate's not sexy anymore, like that's kind of where people are uh, as far as a to- topic of conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's weird because yeah, back in like 2019, is like everybody just wanted to own some real estate. Like, hop on the bandwagon, convert a duplex. Yeah, <laughs> you know that was just every, all anyone talked about, and there were a lot of fanboys and fangirls for that. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. It's, the fanboys and fangirls are all gone, and now it's just the serious investors <laughs> left. I'm, I'm I'm waiting for the the sounds terrible, but I'm waiting for the bottom 30% of realtors to disappear also. Yeah, I don't think they will because a lot of them just have the <laughs> license like on the shelf anyway. Like they're not really doing anything with it. But yeah, maybe a One lot of them One can hope will. and pray. Maybe a lot of them will. Like they're, like they're the ones that'll do like a deal every two years, right? That kind of thing. Yeah. 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 So which uh, brokerage are you with? Uh, Rockstar Real Estate. You're with Rockstar. Yeah, I got. A, I had a vibe that you probably were. So you're with like J.P. Gilbus and yes, yes. Yeah, um, yeah. I know J.P. really well. Yeah, he's uh, he worked a lot with a friend of mine in London. He's bought like his clients have bought a couple of my houses. Yep. Yeah. So uh, and there's other people there I, I know there as well. So um, where do you guys? I mean, here's a great conversation for today. Like an Ontario realtor focused on investments. What is it that you're uh, that you're focused on, like what's working for deal acquisition now? And I know there's stuff that works, so I'm just curious what your take is. So bre- total bread and butter, real bread and butter stuff. Um, so multifamily uh, works, mm-hmm. uh, not as well because of where the rates are. But you know, our from our analysis says rates can't stay where they are for uh, uh, like a long period of time. I'm, when mm-hmm. I say long, I mean three to five years. 
Like you just can't. Yeah, they're they're likely to come down. And I just had a guest on recently who changed my outlook on it a little bit uh, because he he said that when when a, an economy hits recession, the goal unofficially is to create a soft landing, which means start lowering interest rates as soon as you sort of have that straw that broke the camel's back incident, mm-hmm. uh, which is obviously we're hitting recession now. Yep. So a lot of people are speculating next year we're going to have rate cuts. Like I think universally, uh, most financial institutions are predicting that. But yes. whether that happens or not, I you, mean, it you, wouldn't be the last. You can't predict it. It wouldn't be the first time one of these guys got on screen and, and made an ass of themselves. So Yeah, yeah. I, I don't take anything they say seriously. But yeah. from from what I've seen in my, you know, my limited you know lifetime on earth and studying all this stuff, and we're, 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 we're history buffs of money. You know, I mean, me and my people in my close circle, we're, we're gold bugs, we're silver bugs, and we're students of the history of money. And every time we... Uh, run into a bigger recession like mm-hmm. this where the numbers are just absolutely out of this world similar to 2008 there's always a black swan event mm-hmm. always is so in the back of my mind i'm waiting for something to capitulate the straw that broke the camel's back mm-hmm. you know, they need a reason to lower rates it's not like yeah. if they just start automatically lowering rates they're almost admitting that what they did was wrong well don't don't you think that when you hit the okay we're officially in recession that is that is at least part of a justification I don't because we've been in a recession. They're just not admitting it. They won't admit it. Well, I mean, it, yeah, it depends on like how you look at reporting. I mean, if you reported inflation to what it really is, we wouldn't have actually had economic growth. So we would have been in a recession. Sure. I mean, there's so many ways they fudge the numbers. Right. And I actually find myself not wanting to talk too much about the nitty gritty with all that crap financial systems because they're also full of shit. They are. <laughs> they're, the system is stupid in so many ways. Like the... Let's just go back to the general idea that the only way to combat inflation is to fuck with interest rates. Like, you, pretty much that, right? Like, mess with interest rates. What else do they do? What was central? Well, they, they yeah. control the liquidity. So yeah, they, they control. They, they, they can buy up bonds. They can sell off bonds. But basically, ultimately, uh, messing with interest rates. Yeah, yeah. What's one of the mechanisms? The other one is, is to restrict access to money. So, yeah. It, it, like qualifications qualifications right yeah. yeah when there's less money yeah. in the system you know it just yeah. it, you get a bit of a deflationary period and then inflation yeah. has a chance to absorb into the, into the into the system and then hopefully they could start yeah. lowering With, again right think about what they could do though like if you just focused on production let's let's do everything we can to stimulate supply stop, right now stop trying to make sense stop Andrew. being logical stop being <laughs> logical. Yeah, we're not so, going to figure that out this this why this is why i just like every time i'm about to pull a, a dan Foch and and start start getting into the weeds and i do a little but i'm like okay i can only do so much of this because i think they're also full of crap yeah no, not exactly. dan i'm just saying like you know politicians and, and these guys we're, we're, we're yeah. focused on multifamily because you know good bad or ugly in the marketplace multifamily is going to work mm-hmm. it's just going to work okay it's going to work great or it's going to work amazing yeah it's going to work yeah, multifamily, right. like if you think about fundamentally what it is, people always need a place to live. And if you're not doing like the Ritz and you're doing like very middle class rentals, like where is the demand going to be for that in five years? It's going to be there mm-hmm. uh, 10 years. I mean, you're in Ontario, you're dealing with horrendous uh, landlord rules. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you can structure the deal that there's enough cash flow there, you have the money to pay for that. C- correct. Correct. And, and uh, what else? We don't do much short term rental unless we're in an area where the zoning specifically allows it there's too much yeah. risk with uh, municipalities yeah. changing the rules and screwing people over 
Uh, we're doing land deals, uh, although most people cannot. You know, the, the average person isn't walking into a land deal, but no. there are some people who are more advanced and want to learn and grow. Uh, we're, we are doing some land deals. And um, that's that's really, really it right now, to be honest with you. No, dude, you're, it sounds like you're busy. Uh, now, the, the Airbnb side of things, um, my estimation is that it only really is working now in areas where vacation rentals were already a thing. It, like Hamilton Airbnb is like, obviously, they're trying to regulate that out. And every, along with any other city, like they're pretty much just, you know, has to be your home no more than 180 some odd days a year. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, in other words, don't do it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so knowing that, are you, are you thinking, uh, you know, vacation rental areas? Yeah. In Ontario specifically, it, it, we're only going to go there if we know the zoning specifically allows for it. So for example, the yeah. parts of uh, Niagara Falls in, in that tourist zone, we know yeah. it's allowed. There's no risk. It, well, lower risk, right? There's always a risk, but yes, I, I think I think for there's a lot of logic in that. Like you look at, hey, where have they been doing this a long time? Where is tourism part of their lifeblood? Those places are going to be more likely to, if if they've already been allowing it, continue to. Correct. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, nicer cottage areas. I mean, there it's. I think it's a bigger risk, but the chances of them wiping out every other short-term rental are pretty slim. Yeah. Like if you think like Muskoka areas and stuff. Yeah. Are they going to stop people from doing it? I mean, I, it'd be hard to think because cottage rentals are what bring people to the area. The smarter thing they'll do is just regulate it and collect And they do, taxes. right? They're, they're collecting taxes. And, and I've seen that in uh, Grey Bruce. Um, they, they basically started, they started adding in uh, like a hospitality tax. Mm -hmm. So they weren't regulating it before. And in the last couple of years, they brought it in. They put in a, a tax on it. Yeah, that, that's yeah. okay. But to, to do Airbnb... You know, like we're like we're not Florida like this. You can't yeah. just I, I don't think it makes sense to just buy an Airbnb here in Burlington because it makes sense. I, I don't. Yeah, my my it's my funny you say Florida is like <laughs> like it's like the Wild West. I don't even think it is. Yeah, I, maybe I, comparatively <laughs> comparatively. Yeah. Uh, but for us to do Airbnb on a, a random property, uh, we want there to have insurance with it, too. It has to work as a single family or as a duplex also. Yeah. And then you have a backup plan. Yeah, your plan okay. A and B, right? That yeah, is okay. that I, I'm with you 100%. Yeah, to to go in in Ontario into a market that doesn't presently have Airbnb regulation and bank on that is uh, is insanity. Yeah, yeah. So that's what works. There's still people with money who you know mm -hmm. want to get involved in real estate, and you know they they see this time as uh, they're, they're getting a deal. You know, oh, if yeah. you're comparing it to the peak, peak, peak. But you yeah. know, uh, where the, the other question is, where else do you put your money? Like, do I buy stocks? Mm -hmm. Do I trust the government and buy bonds? You know, well, well your yield's pretty low there, uh, right? Uh, so the alternatives don't make sense. So I give it to the banks and take three yeah. percent on a GIC and lose money. Like, it doesn't. So yeah, like, and that's that's the age old question. And and so you'll find people doing some some are you know doing um, like private mortgages or stuff like that. Like you know something that that you can kind of get your money back out and be liquid and then when the time comes buy more real estate right. but i think like if you're not at least somewhat active you're not going to be able to like you said like where are you going to put your money like if you go in and you can be active in real estate right now and do forced value ads and make 20 30 40 percent of your money mm -hmm. but if you're uh, if you're just looking to set it and forget it you're not going to make that much mm -hmm. uh you know with just a turnkey rental is it is that really working in, in your estimation? There there are some some of the student rentals are, are working there because you know the the incomes uh, or the story the the per room rents in places like London and especially Hamilton and McMaster have just like 
They're just bonkers bananas skyrocketing. After I sold all my London ones, the rent went from uh, uh, one of the ones I sold. I had it at 860 was like record breaking rent. Yeah. And then I sold it to my friend who then re-rented it for 1250 a bedroom. Yep. Right now they're getting 12, 1295, 1250. Like as standard around London? Yeah. That's I wouldn't absurd. say standard, but the ones That'd be like the nice nice ones. The nice nice ones, but the ones yeah. that are more one to one bedroom to bath. Like yeah, it's, it's which almost, is all what I did. Yeah, yeah, so I sold one on Sunset. That was uh like right like you could stumble onto the campus. Mm-hmm. And uh yeah, that one. Oh man, it was a good one. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's a hint of regret there, but I mean, uh, you know, I made the decision I made. Um, kind of a good thing I sold when I sold, but I mean, I think there's an, a buying opportunity to come back to London. Now your construction costs, if you want to add those on suites, would be prohibitive. But if I were to do it again, I'd be more interested in a really nice product that kind of converted more over to a family rental easily, more easily. Those on suite where you had one bedroom, one bathroom for every every single one, uh, like a family would be probably a little weirded out by that. Yeah, it's not set yeah. up. It's, it's not set up for It's always going to be a student rental. Yeah, yeah. And I actually, from you know, an appraiser standpoint, a lender standpoint, a number of reasons, I although it's great for students, I'd like from an investor standpoint to be a little bit more hedged against what if Western, you know, on the next uh, quote unquote pandemic shuts down, mm. you know? Because that was one of my concerns is I, I saw that they could just close the school and I, and I had some students actually vacate and say, I can't pay rent here if we're not going to school. Mm-hmm. But they replaced and it was never an issue and I never missed a month of rent. Yeah. So that's what I love about student rentals. You don't deal with any of yeah, that crap. Almost no vacancy. Yeah. And you don't deal with the crap, the landlord tenant stuff, like, uh, you know, not paying rent. I, me with my product, never dealt with that. Mm-hmm. Anyways, we got very tangent here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So student rentals are still working, you figure, eh? Yep. Um, what would, uh, so like, give me an example of something you could do in London right now. We're looking at one uh, that's a seven bedroom. It's a five and two. We had the, the seller converted the basement to a ADU, an accessory dwelling unit. And it's legal, legal seven? Uh, and he's got a license for five. Okay, and, and they then, just have like a den in an office? Uh, and then the basement doesn't have a license, but kind of don't need it. Because the ADU, I learned, mm-hmm. cannot have a license. Oh, no? So the ADU in London can't have a license. If it's a duplex designation, it can't. Uh, just learned this one this property okay wow i didn't know that but the, i don't like why would i need i don't need it's a two-bedroom apartment i don't actually exactly need to rent it to students anyway mm-hmm. or i could rent it to two students who just happen to be friends and living together on yeah one lease. well i mean i guess with their their license they want every unit well it's just every property to be licensed right they just want your property to be licensed yeah they're so going to come in and inspect it um in london they've got the whole thing with five bedrooms yep. but they don't restrict how many people can be on a lease so I looked at it like this, and I never actually did this, but this is this would have been my position. It's just like, hey, I've got five bedrooms, a den, and an office. And what those students do with that is up to them. Uh, exactly. Hey, it, it isn't my position. I thought they were sharing rooms. They very well could be. Yep. Even if I didn't think that, it's not my place to tell them where they got to go. Yeah, yeah, correct. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Okay, so so let's go through that seven uh, seven bedroom effectively. And what's, uh, what's the average rent per bed? A thousand a room. So seven grand a month. Man, that's a little bit different than it used to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so and then taxes on something like that are gonna be like what, five grand? Yeah, it's like 48 something. Yeah, okay. And then insurance on that is gonna be like more like three grand, right? In today's numbers, yeah, probably. Yeah, it's a little unfortunate. Uh, maintenance, I like to just keep around 5%. Uh, utilities on something like that, it's gonna be more like 350 a month. Yeah, 350, 400 a month. Yeah, maybe, okay, so we'll say 400 conservatively. 
is 12. And then you're going to have management that you're going to pay down there. Yep. Yeah. So that's, you know, seven, eight percent, seven, eight percent. Yeah. With leasing fees. Uh, I figured they'll turn over on average every two to three years. Depends. Like if you're really good stuff, like you could actually make, you could stretch it three years. Yep. So, um, which is the ideal. And then, so landscaping and snow, tenants probably do their own snow, but landscaping's covered. Yes. Yeah. So that's going to be what, like 700 a season. Yep. Yeah. And then any cleanings offered or nothing like that? No. no. Okay. And then internet not offered? Probably not. Right. No. Yeah. I never did. Uh, some cities are different though. Some cities you've got to do it. Yep. Yeah. So what would it cost to get something like that? So it's nine fifty. So I got like a 6.7% cap rate on something like that. Yeah. If you did, um, 30 year, well, can you get a 30 year? Yeah, you probably yeah, could yeah, like yeah. a CIBC 30 year or something like that. 30 year you can do. Will CIBC still do them or not really? CIBC is wacky. I mean, yeah. They used to do them great, and yeah. then they they changed the way they calculated it, and it they stopped. They fell working. off a map. Yeah. 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 So who who's the go to these days? RBC will do them. RBC will do them. Yeah, they'll go up to eighty percent, right? Yeah. Going to the value. Uh, so they'd be somewhere around what five and a quarter right now, or five and a half. Mm, interest rate. Yeah. Is six six and a half. Yeah, well, bond yields just dropped a little bit, but it might be a little less now if like if you're comparing to like last month or something. But uh, okay, we'll do six and a quarter. So does it cash flow? Well, somehow it does. <laughs> yeah, I got like three hundred and twenty-four dollars of cash flow at a six point two five percent interest rate, eighty percent financed, seven sixty is the mortgage. So on a nine fifty buy. Yeah, see that's to yeah. me it's a small miracle. The small miracle. So I, you know, I'm one of the few people saying like, man, nobody's paying attention to Ontario right now. Like there's gonna be some great deals coming around. Like everybody's just fed up like looking at the US and uh, here's me just starting like, and I was in the US before anybody was really like focused on it, not anybody, but like before it became the thing. And uh, yeah, now I feel like it's time to pay some attention on Ontario again. Because mm -hmm. what, we're at like a 25% discount on, on the highs pretty much? Yeah, from the peak, peak, peak. Yeah, yeah you're 20-ish, yeah, depending 20 on where you are. 25, wear. depending on where, yeah. yeah. So knowing that and what do you make of this then knowing that, and I just saw this, uh, this chart put out there that something like, what is it? 80% of mortgages, fixed rate mortgages are at like 2.85% on average or sorry, the average. No. So it's the average fixed rate mortgage right now is 2.8% mm -hmm. and the market rate for new mortgages at five year fixed is like 5.3 right now. Mm -hmm. So, uh, <clears throat> every year some uh you know 25 percent of those mortgages is going to mature yeah by 25 26 yeah, yeah. so each year we're gonna we're gonna see like you know 25 percent of people renewing into much higher mortgages which is going to suck up additional funds from them so mm -hmm. they're not going to have as funds so the spending into the economy is going to go down mm -hmm. from that so we haven't even begun this is the sentiment and i've been saying this we haven't even begun to feel the effects of these interest rate hikes unless of course they bring it back down <clears throat> and uh so what do you make of all that? Where do you think we land with all that? I mean, yeah, we're back to our earlier conversation, like trying to predict what they do is is, is impossible. I mean, I think you just got to prepare for both scenarios yeah. and, 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 and make the best of it. If, so if you're liquid, I, I'm getting my money into assets that I feel are going to survive and, and thrive, not just yeah. keep up with inflation. Right? Do you think student rentals fall into the, the thrive or survive? Uh, I mean, worst case, survive. Yeah. 
best case thrive. Yeah, best case thrive. I mean, people like the old sentiment is economy's up, people go to school, economy's down, people don't have a job, so they go back to school. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's it's relatively inf uh, economically hedged. Yeah, or land. If you're if you're if, if you're if you know the game and you know where to go and you know what you're doing with the land stuff, it's pretty hard to lose. You're talking about land development. Yeah. Yeah, and I I think because you can build in so much margin for just changing the use of the land, right? Correct. You you don't even have to build it. You could just sell zoned, ready to go land. Yeah, it, it's just a hedge. Like I I'm thinking worst case scenario if you know they keep rates up and there's a deflationary cycle and asset prices come down. Like if I have good land in a good area that's developable in Ontario with the kind of population increase we're having, with the kind of demand for housing we have, with the government saying we need 1.5 million homes in 10 years mm. and all that nonsense. Like yeah. it's hard, you have to try and lose. Like you have to try. Yeah, you're just saying like, if you own the extra land, like policies are gonna come into place to allow you to develop it even easier, knowing we need it. Yes. Our, our biggest hurdle with all of that um, some, is some of the red tape and then, of course, uh, trades. Finding enough trades where we can drive the price, the cost of, of labor down. I think, uh, yeah, uh, from the, all the developments I've done, trades are solvable. Like, sometimes they get busy. Now we're getting calls like, hey, uh, yeah. has got anything coming up in six months? Like, they're getting slower. Oh, yeah, they are. Like, uh, the notice, the thing I've noticed uh, being in the business is is just, like, people show up or they call you. Rather than you call them constantly, hey, when can you get here? Now they're calling you, hey, we got an opening next week. Yeah. You know, you got you want us to come over. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so that's helping. Yeah, I was. I've been talking to people uh, recently. I, this has been a topic that it used to be possible to build a house in two to three months. Like that. That was a thing. <laughs> that actually happened. My dad built a house in uh, in three months over the summer. Really? My dad was a school teacher, and uh, we moved into Woodstock area. And over the course of the summer, like we probably started, you know, in May, like broke ground, and by. Uh, you know, then he got off school and he like did a lot of the work. And then by September, we're, we're in August, we're in. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, no chance now. I used to do like an addition closed in, like I, the students would leave and May 1, I'd start construction. I'd have students moving in September 1. So we'd be doing like, we, you know, partially got the place, build an addition, put all the bathrooms in, close it in, finish it and yeah, people yeah. moving in. Yeah. It was, it is doable in the right circumstances. Yeah, if you got if you got yeah. everything lined up and all the pieces there. Yeah. And if you have an own, your own internal team to do a lot of it, yeah. that really helps. Like a couple of subs, but then a really good internal team that yeah. can just crush. Absolutely. Yeah. So we went through one successful example. I like that. Um, I love student rentals from a management standpoint. I think they're great. Uh, give me an example of a multifamily that might work. Well, I haven't found one in the last couple of weeks, <laughs> but one from, let's say September, we had, we, we, we found a nice fourplex, uh, in Hamilton. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I mean, the key with the multifamily now is getting the units all vacant on closing. Okay. Uh, that, so we can set market rents. That's not that common, but yeah, if you can find it. Yeah. Or, I mean, yeah. if it's a four units, for example, getting two vacant, yeah, two if they're vacant. all occupant or three yeah. or something, but getting them all at you know, old rents, that's not going to work. You won't even be able to finance it. You know, the banks it would be tough. Yeah. You have to go in close cash, do the cash for keys yeah. things. Like, I don't imagine you're working with that many clients who want to do that kind of thing. Right. It, it's, it's not exciting to do that right now. No, yeah. Not when the market is kind of where it is. Like traditionally I've understood the, the rockstar guys to be more, uh, you want that more turnkey 
like something that they can buy that's managed that is more like hands off. So slightly better than, uh, you know, just throw money into passive, yeah, you I, know, mortgages or something. My, my I mean, I, I have a team of, of guys and girls that, that work for me. Well, we're not really like that. We, I mean, it's what's works for you. So you're the roll up your sleeves, not just that. Uh, yeah, if, for some Well, that's people, gonna be like your doctors and your lawyers who just don't have the time, don't care to have the time, right? Yeah. Like they're just, they just want set it and forget it. But then you've got the other people who are active you know, flippers, you know, whatever, like they're, they're guys who add value to real estate. Everyone's different. I'm, I'm yeah. full of cheesy analogies. The, the, the cheesiest one I got that most people understand is, you know, let's say you and I walk into a, a men's suit store. We're going to get some custom suits. Yeah. So we're both going to walk out with a custom suit, but mine might be a double breast. Yeah. Yours might be a single breast. Mine may be a long jacket. Yours might be a short jacket. Mm -hmm. In the end, the, the way you build your portfolio, the way you build a custom suit, it's got to work for you. Yeah. Right. So the, the, the guy I'm taking out tomorrow, you know he's uh he's got a great job, but yeah. he, he doesn't he doesn't want to be there for too much longer. He wants to be out in yeah. five years. So we got to get his money working for him, and he needs mm. cash flow. But he also needs some investments where he can do a traditional value add. He can pull some be able to pull some value out. So he's looking at something where we can mm. do either a garden suite or a, a basement suite or mm -hmm. have a, a lot beside it where he can do a development, uh, but also get a second property that's mm -hmm. more traditional multifamily where he can get that cash flow going. Mm -hmm. Right. And and that's not going to fit for everyone. Yeah. You know what I mean? So based on those goals, we tailor the portfolio. Of course. Yeah. So and I and I like that because it's not one size fits all. Yeah. Um, so say I came to you and said exactly that. I want to quit in five years. I got a job right now. Mm -hmm. In five years, I don't want to be there anymore. What are you going to tell me to do? <laughs> what am I Get access to as much money as possible. Yeah. <laughs> so we can, uh, you know, buy the properties you need to get there. So yeah. what we do is just work backwards. So the part of our coaching and mentoring that we do is if, if that's the goal, you know, we have to figure out how much capital, how much wealth, how much cash and how much cash flow, how much income you actually need from your portfolio to replace, the job. To replace yeah. it. Right. Yeah, so you we, start we with need something tangible. Yeah, for sure. And then we yeah. just simply work backwards. And yeah. as we're shopping for properties, the question is, does it yeah. help us get closer to our goal? Yes. Great. If not. Yeah. We're moving on. Yeah, does it fit within your competencies, what you're capable of doing as well? You know, you gotta gotta look at all that um, and see the overall fit. So yeah, for sure. Hi friends, I just wanted to take a moment away from the episode to tell you about my brand new structured coaching program. This is the first time I've ever offered a structured coaching program where we'll have regular meetings in addition to an intro call uh, to go through what your goals are and help you get on a plan to achieve those goals within real estate. So if you followed me for some time and you feel that I would be a fit for you to help you achieve your goals in real estate based on my skill set, based on the topics we cover on this show, I encourage you to head over to my website, andrew-hines.com forward slash coaching and fill out the questionnaire so that we can schedule a call and figure out if it's a fit for us to work together. Let's face it, most people could benefit from a second set of eyes and ears going over their strategies, different deals that they're looking at, and helping to springboard ideas back and forth. This is a program that's exactly for that. So if you're looking to build confidence in what you're doing in real estate investing and get very clear on what it is you're trying to accomplish, this might just be the program for you. Take a moment, fill out that questionnaire, and let's schedule a chat. So for sure, starting with the end in mind, and uh, working backwards, but if if say you come up with, oh, this person's gonna need $10,000 a month, like mm -hmm. to really make sense to quit their job, 10,000 a month, um, they've got access to, you know, 500,000 on their HELOC and they got another bunch, you know, 500,000 in investments they can liquidate. 
uh, is there a plan that makes sense that you know comes to ha comes to mind where you say, okay, we're going to start with this type of property, and we're going to you know do this over the next couple of years, and then we're going to do it again, and then we're going to yeah. Immediately, you know. we'll go to some kind of multifamily, mm -hmm. whether it's um, um, you know more residential, triplex, fourplex kind of thing, or commercial. It depends on who the people are and how much they're willing to take on right away. But we'll probably start with multifamily, and then grow from there either grow with more multifamily or start already adding in other assets that are mm. higher cash flow but yeah to be honest with you i, I, I for that kind of person who needs ten thousand a month to, you know to retire from their job mm -hmm. trying to get that from your portfolio i think it's fool's gold in in five years is, is a tough tough ask no, right I, I think even if your portfolio does generate ten thousand yeah. dollars a month in cash flow it's fool's gold like you can't Realistically, and, and I did this when Live I off of it, yeah. when I retired from what I did. Like you can't just go in your portfolio and rip ten thousand dollars a month out of your accounts. Like yeah. you need money to pay for the roof and yeah. the furnace and their vacancy. Oh yeah, no, like so, you would literally need ten thousand dollars after your life cycle maintenance allowance. Like you would need. So this is, and I would be realistic about that number. Like because for me with all my properties, I'd let them get to like twenty grand in, in the account for every property. And that's like, okay, now I can start spending. Like there needs to be like 20 G's there for everything. My, my system, yeah. the, the way I, I coach people is, yes, you need the cash flow and you can take some, obviously, if you need it for living expenses, yeah. when and if you retire, Yeah. yeah. right? When and if you retire. But your portfolio, once you grow it big enough, should be mm. generating future profits and yeah. now profits at the same time. 100%. Future profits being the cash flow from the student rental. Yeah. I mean, now profits being... Money goes in, money comes out with profit, a flip, yeah. a development. All, sure. When you have both of those things coming in at the same time, yeah. it's very easy to live up, or sorry, not very easy, but much easier to actually live off your Right, portfolio. yeah, so a hybrid solution, I call it now money, medium money, long-term money, and I didn't coin that, I took that from somebody. Yeah. But uh, it makes perfect sense. You need all three working. Mm -hmm. So, you know, how you define medium and long-term, yeah, that's subjective, but now money is pretty clear. What am I going to put on food on the table with for the next six months? You know, and then medium money, you know, next two to three years, and then long-term money, next five to ten. Um, you could be doing developments for the five to ten. You've got your say flips, or you've got your active job, or I'm a big fan of work in the industry. Be a realtor. Do something where you're you're ear to the ground. Like you can hear the buffalo coming. You know what? You know where the opportunities are. And you know it because you live and breathe it because you work in that industry. So become mm -hmm. a property manager, real estate appraiser, realtor. I think realtor is better than appraiser, but hey, uh, <laughs> there's ways to do to do it in both if you really want to appraise properties. Uh, but and I I personally think property managers, although uh, people consider that work like generally not that great, mm -hmm. uh, I think it's one of the best opportunities to get access to great deals on properties. I, I do. It's uh, yeah, for me, it's a tough job, man. Like it's. Uh... You know, when the, when the property is going well, the investor is the hero. And when it's all going to shit, it's all the property managers. Yeah. <laughs> I feel, it's a dog's I feel, breakfast. I feel bad for them, honestly. It's a dog's breakfast, which is why not a lot of people want to do it and why Hamilton property managers are very well compensated. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> like the amount of people who just like professional tenants don't pay. Like, uh, But if, if that's your business and you've set your cash flow and your fee, fee structure up to justify you spending the time on it, you shouldn't be upset about it. Like, I think the number one problem with people who are crying about the Ontario landlord issue uh, and, and having tenants that aren't paying, the number one problem is that they're buying properties that didn't have enough meat on the bone, that couldn't afford to lose a tenant or have a tenant not pay. Um, so if you can't, and, and I know that's hard in Ontario, obviously, uh, but it, 
this means you need to diversify. You need to make sure you structure your situation so you've got that cash you need to be able to weather the storm and sleep at night. Yeah, you gotta be able to sleep at night. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I and I mean maybe um. Yeah, maybe I'm totally biased about this, but like if you don't have a network that, that that keeps reminding you about these things and if you don't have a a, a mentor or you're, you're not getting coached like i i think you're at a disservice if you really yeah. want to use real estate to get ahead in life and not mm -hmm. just have a couple investments if you really want to use real estate to get ahead you, you need to have other people who are ahead of yeah. you in the game helping you out or you're not going to go anywhere yeah yeah i consider that uh, very very important like have have the people that like I've got some great business partners and we're all real estate minded and we do real estate together and we, we help build each other up. Mm -hmm. And I agree with you completely. Mentorship, go out to meetups, be around people, do work work sessions with people. I actually find that really productive. Like we'll do a Friday for our camp. All our, we have a camp, a couple of camp, a uh, camp and a resort up north. And uh, we do like uh, every other Friday right now, we're doing like work sessions where we just all get together and work on yeah. our projects, everything we need to do. And I find it so productive and we share ideas and we build each other up and it's like, great. Yeah. You got to have that kind of thing in your life. Yeah. You, you need yeah. people around you. It's not a, it's, there's no I in real estate. It's a team sport. We all heard these cheesy sayings, but like, it's, it's true. If you're trying to get to the next level, the grouping, the groups, the networks and, and, and somebody who's ahead of you kind of yeah. helping you out. Yeah. So it is a team sport. You're uh, you're absolutely right. And, uh, ultimately at the end of the day um we want to win and real estate investors are really helpful to each other like have you ever met like i don't know if that anywhere else the all real estate investors are like happy to share yeah. well not all but a lot a lot are yeah yeah most yeah. are yeah, yeah. which yeah. is weird because any a lot of other professions people are like no i can't tell you my secrets yeah they're secretive <laughs> yeah. i can't tell you my secrets um okay so what are you excited about right now in Ontario? Or, or are you looking out outside of the, the country or province? Well, I'm heading to Florida at the end of the month for like the third time now mm -hmm. uh, to check out a different area and scope out some properties. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's uh, it's the sexy talk right now. Yep. I, I don't know that we're gonna, I'm going to find anything that kind of meets my, my mm -hmm. own expectations because I'm going there to look for myself also. But mm -hmm. a lot of our clients are, are, are have a desire to have some exposure to other markets. Mm -hmm. I know Florida is a sexy talk, but it, it, it's, it all kind of wraps in there. They, they, they want exposure to the U.S. dollar. They, they like the Florida thing. You know, if they can go down there and use the property themselves, it's obviously yeah, very attractive. Yeah, I think that's a big thing for a lot of people. So yeah. you're thinking Airbnb play? It's, it's hard. Like, if, like I have 20 people who would buy a good Airbnb in Florida right now. Mm -hmm. Do I have 20 properties to sell them? I don't. I don't have any. Right. So I, yeah. I, I need to uh, I'm going down there more to build relationships with people uh, who can give me more access to, yeah. to properties than anything else. Right. I think it's one of those things where you just you're going to spend a lot of time talking to local managers and stuff and like finding out what's reasonable. What's hilarious is a, an old friend of mine. He uh, came on the show and uh, he had one rental property in London and just decided, hey, we like Florida. We want to have a place in Florida. So he'd never invested in anything else goes and buys an Airbnb in, uh, I think it was near St. Petersburg mm -hmm. and, uh, cash flows with it, uses it for like six weeks out of the year, still profitable, even with him taking those six weeks out. Mm -hmm. And, uh, 
manages it from afar and did it all himself. And I'm like, and he hasn't, he's not in the real estate networks. And I was just fascinated by that because yeah. usually you'll hear stories like that, but not like guys who are just kind of foot in, foot out the door on real estate. Like not, not really a passion, not really something that he does all the time. Uh, testament, the reason I share that is it's doable. Like, mm-hmm. it, but yeah, finding the numbers that work, that's going to be the part where you're going to have to do a little trial and error, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we, we, we want to have built some relationships there. And so, yeah, we're checking out Florida. Um, Ontario, I mean, uh, uh, super exciting. Is there a new income stream? No, not really. Just yeah. bread and butter stuff. We're after the multifamily, we talked about all that kind of stuff. Do you do any like creative uh, acquisition strategies? Are you guys out of the box? Like throwing vendor take back mortgages in there, uh, things like that? for the right person that, that kind of stuff happens more on commercial and land mm-hmm. for us like we're not i'm not we're not dropping letters or doing door knocking or any no, of those no, of kind of not. strategies yeah. i'm not saying they're bad i'm just it's yeah, not yeah. something we do um like the, I, I mostly focus on having relationships mm-hmm. that's what out of 10 deals that i do i mean for for clients you know probably three or four of them are off market and that's from Knowing Andrew Hines from yeah. this guy, knowing the property manager, and the rest is from MLS. Yeah. You'd be surprised how much, how, how, how much stuff there's, there's deals. On MLS. There's deals on MLS. Yeah. yeah, you know, land deals. Yes, those are a lot of those are off yeah. the market. Yeah, talk me through what you're doing in land. Yeah, a lot of uh, infill for smaller stuff. So you know, knock down a house, build two. Build two. Are you seeing a lot of opportunities for that? Right now, no. For the last four or five years, yes, we I did about f- one, two, four projects like that that we finished. I yeah. had two, three on the go, um, yeah. and you know, it was knock down one, build a semi, and mm-hmm. then we. This is very early. We convinced St. Catharines to give us um, uh, an ADU in each of the semis. Nice. So we had basically two duplexes, right? Yeah. Or yeah. four units, whatever you want to call four it. Four units. So those worked out really well, and uh, now we're. we're we scaled since this bill, what was it, bill Bill 23? 23, yeah. Whatever it is. So I have a project that's, instead of three townhouses, it's three triplexes. Really? Yeah, because you're going to get three in each one inside the footprint? Inside the footprint. So you don't have to put anything in the background, backyard. Wow. Yeah. Like that, that really does change the way, the outlook. It does. Right? I mean, I kind of feel sorry for the tenants because they're not going to be able to like grow a garden or anything. But uh, well, no, they will. I mean, yeah, they, if they, they share I, the backyard. Just the way that it's yeah. it's a one twenty five deep lot, and I mean, there's yeah. more than enough room to separate. Do separate backyards for three? Yeah, yeah. Just little little tiny ones. Absolutely. Or you could share one. I feel like people don't want to share a backyard though. No. Yeah. No, but it it, it can be done. Yeah. They, I I find adding the outdoor space, and I was doing that with my duplex conversions. Just cutting out a little bit of space for the the, the tenant, and they, they loved it. They mm-hmm. loved it. It got me an extra fifty hundred bucks a month in rent. And yeah, I've done that too. Just split it right down the middle, and I had separate access for both. With three, it's going to be harder. But if you're if you're designing it from scratch, you can find a way. Even if I could only do two of three, it's yeah. still super valuable. Yeah, one of them doesn't get it, but the other two do. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So yeah. that's a good project. Uh, we're uh, we have another one that's a nine unit conversion. It was it's it's actually a triplex, but on a corner lot. So I'm getting three townhouses in the front, each with an ADU, and then on mm-hmm. the corner lot, 
uh, because it has access to the road we're cutting out a fourth lot mm -hmm. that's also going to have a triplex on it so this is one of your projects personally it's another project yeah i'm doing and how are you financing these uh is it just land you've bought or there's a house on it right now that you've got rented the, the one i just described the triplex i financed it because it had a structure on it so so it's a bank mortgage but you're working through the developments yeah eventually i yeah. will have to pay off that mortgage yeah so you can tear it down right yeah so there's not so i can tear it down really so there's enough equity in the land so that yeah. I can get the construction mortgage. So oh, okay. It's yeah. either I give money to the well, bank. You, you apply for that mortgage and take out the yeah, take out the bank. Right, but yeah. the, the the construction mortgage they want to see seventy five or twenty five percent equity between land and cost. Okay. So if it's five hundred thousand to for the land and a million dollars to build, mm -hmm. basically you got to have about four hundred ish in cash. Yeah. So if you bought the land for five, you just pay it off and be done with it. Mm -hmm. And now. They'll secure the construction mortgage on the land. You don't have the stupid interest payments. And it makes mm -hmm. the deal flow yeah. a hell of a lot better. You just got to have that 400 k kicking around. Throw it out. So back to what I was saying, going full circle, mm -hmm. when your portfolio is big enough, you can do those kind of deals. Yeah, that's you, your you now just money. leverage against your other... That's yeah. my now money. Yeah, yeah. Right? So if there's 500000 equity sitting there, I'm going to buy three more triplexes? Or do mm -hmm. I do a deal like this, make three hundred grand, and that's mm -hmm. you know that can pay for my lifestyle? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, it's it's uh, well, be but how is that now money in in the sense that like it's going to take you a few years to to profit on one of those, right? Yes, uh, correct. So uh, medium. I, I just of. have multiple projects. Going yeah, so you're you're constantly getting paid. So your long term money, yeah. multiple long term plays are all paying you. I, I'm just I'm yeah. not a flipper. Yeah. I'm not saying anything bad about flipping. It's just but it's you not, don't need to. It's not my style. You don't need to though. Yeah. Right. Like you you can get. Uh, like you can get real estate income from from what you're selling as a salesperson, and yep. the, and then your you know your medium and long is as all your different real estate plays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I I just I just treat my real estate portfolio like it's it's a person, like yeah. it's got to make money. Yeah, and and save yeah. for the future. Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> How did you get into this? How did I? Oh man, that's a long story. I mean, um, uh, when I was. I, I I I grew up, you know, not very uh, without much money. Let's say, you know, I wasn't really poor. I, I don't want to make up a story like that, but uh, we were lower middle income people. Um, my parents were divorced, so I grew up with my grandparents. Hmm. You know, very Italian grandparents, no English at home, kind of thing, and uh, you know, hardworking people. But you know, I didn't have the kind of money mindset that you kind of need to do what we do, right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, by the time I was 18, I started reading a bunch of books that we all read, you know, Robert Kiyosaki's and all this kind of stuff. I read probably like 300 books. And, uh, you know, always had it in the back of my mind that I was going to become a fireman. Hmm. So when I was 21, I ended up going to a conference here in Toronto called, uh, what, was, what was it called? Millionaire, Millionaire Mind. Remember that book, Millionaire Mind? Like T. Harrecker, yeah, yeah. So I went to his conference here, and uh, you know, it's one of those conferences that he sells more conferences. Yeah, I don't like that about him, but I, I love the first three, four chapters of that book. I, I love yeah. that book. Yeah, yeah, it was very good. And uh, so I ended up yeah. buying another one of his conferences, and it was to uh, another. Co the name of this conference was "Never Work Again," mm -hmm. about how to build passive income streams so you never have to work again. <laughs> so it was in California. So I flew there to California. Mm -hmm. I was twenty three. And uh, I remember at the beginning of the conference, they did this thing where they're like, everyone under 30, stand up. Like, okay. And then 29, 28, 27, 26, 25, 24, 23. And it was me and one other guy. 
And they said, 22. And I, and I sat down. This kid was 22. He beat me. I'm like, thank God. So they called him on stage and gave him a little award and stuff like that. So mm. that was the, the kind of uh, atmosphere. You know, about a thousand people all learning about income streams. So I didn't end up buying or investing any, in anything there. They had things about vending machines and tax liens, very American stuff. I love that. I yeah, want to learn more about that. <laughs> <laughs> but I came home with yeah. real estate, cash flow, passive income. Yeah. I had no idea what the hell I was going to do with that, but that's what I came home with. And uh, I did become a fireman. I was a fireman in, in Toronto for 10 years. I, I retired in, um, or, or quit early, whatever you want to call it, in, in 2020. Okay. And, um, but, you know, while I was getting hired, I was also kind of pursuing this real estate cash flow kind of thing. So did you just become a realtor in 2020 or 2021? No, in 2010. So you were doing real estate the whole time. The whole As a fireman, you have the time, right? Like just, yeah. I can't do a showing that day. I'm working a shift. That's right. Yeah, right. I became a fireman. And then shortly after, while, while I remember being in college to yeah. doing the fireman school yeah. and like my phone ringing and me going outside and it was my mortgage broker like saying, hey, get me this document because I was qualifying mm. for my first property. Yeah. So by the time I got hired, I already had like three rental properties. And then shortly after I ended up getting my license and started working with investors right away. I did that for 10 years, you know, just working with investors, growing my own portfolio, working with investors, growing my own portfolio, going to work. I have a wife, three kids. And then about 2020, 2019, I should say that all kind of capitulated and it was like way too much. Mm. It was, uh, wasn't a healthy lifestyle to be honest with you. I mean, it was good for a while. I was making good money and getting really getting ahead in life. But, uh, you know, trying to be a full-time father to three daughters, a full-time husband, uh, you know, a husband who actually pays attention, let's say, uh, working uh, a business with uh, having all these clients and investors who need your help uh, to coach and mentor, mm -hmm. then being a fireman in Toronto, where, you mm -hmm. know, not to um, crap on some of the other departments where we actually do stuff, like we're busy, like we're not mm -hmm. going there to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> And then trying to be Paul, you know, yeah. take care of my friends and have a life. It just wasn't working. So yeah. I had some health problems, stress, anxiety, all that kind of stuff, which I had to kind of work through and eventually retired from fire. And, um, you know, I, I it, it was hard because that was my, you know, that was my uh, dream job, let's call it. But uh, it's kind of, it ran its course and it was the right decision. And I didn't realize that I had a full-time career and, you know, sizable portfolio until the day I quit. I'm like, holy shit, look, I have all this stuff. Why am I doing this? <laughs> you know, what, what an idiot. That's funny. Yeah. 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 It's funny, sad, weird, exciting all at the same time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's crazy that you kept it all going, but I guess as like with the shift work of being a fireman, like you have the ability to, uh, like you're only what, two days on at a time? You're working 24 hour shifts. Yeah. 7 a.m. to 7 a.m. Yeah. Uh, in, in a 28 day cycle. So four weeks. Yeah. You work seven 24-hour shifts. Yeah. That's relatively minimal. That's one quarter of the time. Correct. Yeah. It, 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 by hours, it averages out to 42 and a half hours a week. Right. But you're not working all the, no, all the 24 it's not, hours. It's just not eight hours a day. It's yeah, condensed, yeah. right? I would prefer that. Like, You would. It just yeah. like you got to be careful, uh, just speaking from experience, with balance. Because like, you think you come home from that and you're like, oh, I'm tired today. You didn't get to see your family for a day. Yeah, and then I go to work. And you can do that for a while when you're in your 20s. But like mm -hmm. you, you, not giving your body a chance to rest and recover, recharge, mm -hmm. you know, meditate, yeah. go on the hot tub, just chill. Yeah. It, it really takes a toll. Like 
Yeah. And the older I got, the worse it got. Like I could just couldn't recover anymore. Yeah. You know, it was tough. But uh Well yeah, when you're working those twenty four hours, do you like eat eat like crap or like or eating. It... Yeah. yeah. There's no shortage of food in the fire hall. Do they feed you while you're there? We we, we all cook. We we either bring food or you cook. Or yeah, we head to the grocery store and you know, make some food. While you're working you head to the grocery store? Yeah. Well we're there for twenty four hours. You gotta eat. Yeah, yeah. You gotta eat. So there's enough people on that if something happens, you guys just race back and go to where you need to go. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Sometimes at the grocery store, we get a call and. <laughs> yeah, we're out of here. It's actually faster because we're we're right near the truck. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you take the truck to the to the grocery. Oh, okay. Well, then you're laughing. Yeah. yeah, yeah you yeah. can just go straight to the fire if you need to. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I got all your gear in there. Always in the truck. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. interesting. The life of a fireman. I didn't know. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure you got some stories and have seen some shit. <laughs> yeah a lot yeah that stuff yeah. never really bothered me honest to god uh it, it was more trying to maintain this this whole system i had created yeah that's what really kind of knocked me down yeah and you must have had like your active real estate selling business many clients you'd built up over the years not doing fire you probably just built that up more yeah it, it was uh it, it was a scarcity thing you know the more and i had to talk to some people who I'm, I'm not a therapy person. I don't do well with that kind of stuff. But I had to talk to people who were willing to help me. Mm -hmm. And they're like, you you just, you built that out of mm -hmm. scarcity. Like you had all these yeah. fail-safe plans. Like, oh, if real estate doesn't yeah. work, I have a portfolio. If a portfolio doesn't work, I'm a fireman. If a fireman doesn't work, I have a pension. If this doesn't work, I have cash savings. But I mean, it's not it's not bad to have your bases covered. Correct. It, it yeah. was just, uh, I was building that from a, a place of scarcity. Yeah. And, you know, it, it, it that only works for so long. Yeah. And you, you can't do that, right? Yeah. So it was an important lesson. Now I'm able to kind of share that with people and 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 in my own coaching and everyone who says like, hey, I'm, I know what I've been working corporate for ten. This is still every week I hear this. I've been working in a corporate job for ten years. I've been working in this business for God knows how long. I gotta get the fuck out of here. There's like, a lot of people who say that. I need a change. Yeah. And 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 I I just I immediately yeah. resonate. And as soon as I tell them a story, they're they're just yeah. They comfort down. Yeah, I feel like. Every one of my coaching students is the same thing. I'd like to quit my job. Yeah. <laughs> like I need to get out of this job. Like, okay, let's work on a strategy that will do that. Yeah. Because it's possible. Absolutely. It's just, you know, the to just I'm just gonna go buy five properties. Like it used to work. That used to be a thing ten years ago. I'll buy five properties and replace my income. Mm -hmm. London, you know, used to do that for people. Depending on if what you know, if you bought Old South or something, or Soho, if you know where that is. Mm -hmm. Um but uh, different now, uh, you just got to you got to be more strategic about it. And there is a way. And a lot of times it's going to involve becoming an entrepreneur, more of an entrepreneur. Yeah. yeah. A, a lot of those people that I helped, yeah. like they're it, what's interesting is most of them never quit their job. And yeah. not because they, they failed or didn't get to where they want to go. But yeah. having a few properties and portfolio and cash flow and a much better financial system actually made their job much more comfortable. They, cool. they weren't stressed about it. They weren't stressed about nice. getting ahead. So not being stressed about that stuff made their job better for them. Yeah, because yeah. you know, you, you a lot of these people they, they they might make good money, but they're also spending money. I mean, Ontario's not cheap, right? I, we all know that. Uh, uh, but they they couldn't see themselves getting ahead in their job. Yeah. Now the portfolio is helping them literally invest and get ahead. Yeah, so they live feel a better like lifestyle. Ahead, yeah. So they don't have to quit anymore, which is so it's amazing yeah. to see. The, the that's results. that's a good point i never thought about that but uh that makes a lot of sense when you're not worried like i need to be doing something i need to be doing something oh i am doing something and it's working yes yeah um that's awesome man uh anything you uh weren't asked that you wish you could have shared 
today? No, I think we covered the basis. I mean, who who's the, like, what, what what's the avatar? Like, who's watching your show? You know, it's hard to say. I I don't even know anymore. Uh, it used to be the fanboys, fangirls, plus all of the serious longtime real estate investors. What I've noticed is that there's a there's a time that people listen to my show, and sometimes they they graduate from it for a time. They'll come back and catch the odd episode. But so we'll have a mix of uh, extremely active uh, investors. Um, newer investors that are uh, a little bit more serious these days. So the ones that that are still on board, uh, they're a lot more serious about finding a way to change their life. Yeah. So I I, I think the the message is loud and clear. Then, like if you're if you're just getting started, you know you, you need to be around people who can help you. And listening to podcasts like this and you know getting Andrew's help is fantastic. But you get yourself out there, listen to some, and not that I'm you know, mm-hmm. trying to get people away from you, but it, it, listen to some other podcasts, you know, get a feel out there. There, there. There's good people around who want to help you. And uh, uh, it, it's important to expose yourself to as many different strategies and tactics that help you, that that, that, that can help you get to your goal faster. And if you don't know mm-hmm. why you're investing and, and what you're trying to accomplish, like you better get some help, you know, talk to Andrew, talk to yeah. get a mentor, and that's what's going to help you. And for those of you who are experienced, keep doing what you're doing because we, we need you. I know yeah. you're vilified out there, but... Uh, I got your back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll, you're the big bad landlords, but uh, no, they're definitely, uh, definitely serving a purpose out there. So, yeah. all right, man. Where do people find you and reach you? Yeah, you can. Uh, a few social is easier, I think, for most people nowadays. Mostly on Instagram, Paul underscore uh, expert underscore investor academy, or my website expertinvestoracademy.com. Paul at expertinvestoracademy.com for uh, email. And uh, yeah, happy to help you if you if you need anything, if you, if you need some advice on where to go forward, we're here for that. Uh, we, we do some coaching and mentoring, not for everyone, because you know we we we're, we're not a coaching and mentoring business. It's not what we do. But given uh, you know how this business works and how much help people need, uh, we do that for for some people. And and you know if you're out there in this uh, southern Ontario area and you need help uh, acquiring properties uh, or selling them, and you're they're investor focused. We got your back. We've been doing this for a long time. We've done hundreds and hundreds of transactions and uh, we can help. Cool, man. Cool. Well, yeah, thanks for uh, for coming over today and yeah. we'll make sure to include your contact info in the show notes. Yeah, absolutely, man. All right. Infinite banking in under 60 seconds. We've all got to save our money somewhere and we think that a high cash value life insurance policy is the perfect place to save it. Why? We're going to save our money inside this policy and it's going to grow tax-free. Down the road, we're going to get hit with an emergency or an opportunity, maybe a chance to buy a business, real estate property, an income-producing asset. And instead of withdrawing from our savings account, we're going to leverage that asset. We're going to borrow the insurance company's money, and we're going to invest in that opportunity. Our money is still inside of that policy, compounding, uninterrupted, tax-free, and our money's outside in this investment opportunity. We're going to rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat, all while providing a death benefit for our families. Down the road, we're going to retire. Now we retire with a high cash value life insurance policy with a lot of cash. We're going to start taking those policy loans again, but this time we're never going to pay them back. When I say never, I mean we're going to pay them back with the death benefit when we die, and our families are going to get left with the rest completely tax-free.